You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo joined the Washington Post Live to discuss privacy in the coronavirus pandemic. Let's listen. I'll be interviewing Governor of Rhode Island, Gina Raimondo. She's been widely praised and, of course, courted some controversy for her handling of the outbreak in her state and has just begun a phased reopening of the economy there. Welcome to you both and welcome welcome to our audiences who've tuned in from around the country and the world. Governor, first a question for you. Just this past weekend, you began a reopening. You you lifted Rhode Island's strict stay-at-home order. What was behind that decision? Was it economic incentives or are you convinced that you've actually flattened the curve enough? Yeah. So good morning and thank you for having me. Thank you for this this coverage. Uh, no, it was it was the data which showed that over a consistent period of more than 14 days, we had seen a plateau in our cases, a decline, a steady decline in our hospitalizations. That's what I had my eye most firmly on. Uh, a very steady decline in our percent positives. So Rhode Island has been very aggressive around testing. At this point, we've tested nearly 10% of our population, much more than most states. And at the same time, we've been ramping up our testing. We've seen a steady decline in the percent positives. So what I have said to the people of Rhode Island is we are not out of the woods. We still, unfortunately, are seeing hundreds of new cases a day. However, the trend in in the curve, as you say, um, has certainly plateaued and declined over a period of time, and it gave me the confidence to begin the process. This first step, though, phase one, I've called testing the waters. This is a slow process. I'm encouraging people to put a toe in the water. Let's do that for a couple of weeks. Let's study that for a couple of weeks, and then we can take that next step. So let me ask you about one of those toes in the water. On May the 18th, you've discussed um, reopening restaurants outside um, with very strict guidelines. Um, some of those guidelines, how are you going to enforce them? How you They include asking patrons, I believe, to register their contact information. How are you going to make sure this happens? Yes, so this you have put your finger on perhaps one of you know the key issues that every governor faces that we as a nation face. Um, it's like every decision we're making now, every governor is in a tough spot. Everything is a balance. I like to say that I, I have no good options. Option A is a poor option. Option B is poor and I have to choose between, you know, two difficult options. Balancing in my judgment, public health with economic health. So there is um, everything I'm doing is designed to encourage and support voluntary compliance. We aren't taking a heavy hand with compliance. We will enforce, there are penalties, there are civil fines for not wearing your mask. We have substantially ramped up our inspections. I have a whole COVID inspection team that we've created, more health department inspectors, more business regulation inspectors, But really, my approach is, as I said, encourage, support, uh, enable voluntary compliance. And honestly, my view is I'm leading from a place of confidence and trust in the people of Rhode Island to do the right thing, because really, it is in their interest. If you're a restaurant next week who opens 
and pushes the limits, then we'll see cases go up and I'll have to pull back, right? It won't be open. And that's, so it's their incentive to do the right thing. Sorry. Uh, of course, there will be a delay, of course, before you see the results. Um, the face mask that you just raised, of course, is a highly controversial issue and a political, politically controversial issue across the country. I think you've had 75% compliance um, in, in the state. Do you hope that's going to go up now that you've signed an executive order mandating the use of face masks? I do. I do hope it's going to go up. What we've seen is about a 95% compliance among employees who were in retail shops and grocery stores. I think that's fantastic. And I salute each and every one of them who is taking the simple but life-saving step of wearing their mask. Yeah, we need to do better than 75%. And, you know, listen, I know it's it's strange. Some people think it's unnecessary. It, it feels weird. I wear mine. You get, it's warm. It's hard to do. But here's why I'm doing it. It's simple. It's inexpensive, it's highly effective, and it is much better than closing down whole parts of our economy. So if we have to endure some embarrassment or discomfort in order to get thousands of people back to work, then I think you know we need to do it. You're sitting between two hotspots, Boston and New York, um, and the summer tourist season's coming. Mm. What are you going to do to ensure that people who come into the state during the summer abide by your wish that they quarantine for 14 days? Yes. So this is a concern. You know, I will not sugarcoat this. Throughout this crisis, I have I have stayed true to uh, innovating. I say we have to innovate, and I've stayed true to being very honest with the people of Rhode Island. So I'm not going to sugarcoat this one. Rhode Island depends heavily on tourism in the summer, and we need a plan to figure out how to keep everybody safe and also enable some tourism. So we're making that plan. I don't yet have the answers. Things we're thinking about, um, testing tourists. So figuring out a way that we can have such robust testing that if folks are coming here and staying for a while in Rhode Island, let's test them to make sure that they uh, are negative. Which takes me to a question about your testing, which has been immensely successful. I think you've had a 5% test rate compared to, say, 1% in Georgia and Texas. How did you get those resources and how are you going to manage your huge goals for going ahead, which are, I think, something like 10,000 a day by July and 20,000 by September? Do you have the resources? Uh, we do, and we're going to find them. You know, not doing it is not an option. We need testing. We need contact tracing. We need symptom monitoring. These are the things that are necessary to safely reopen the economy and to give people confidence that when we do it, it's safe. So what I've done is really partnered, innovated and partnered, partnering with Salesforce, partnering with CVS, partnering with SurveyMonkey, partnering with Amazon Web Services. You know, we have to get creative. It's, it's not okay for me to say to Rhode Island, I'm sorry, I can't figure it out. So, you know, we're gonna get there. I've set these goals and one way or another, we're going to figure out how to make it happen. And you're partnering with neighboring states, right, after, uh, over the um, supply of PPE, the protective equipment that people need. Have you had the uh, resources you've needed and the help you've needed from the Trump administration, the White House? You know, so let me say two things. We are partnering. Uh, we've I've joined a seven-state coalition in the Northeast, and I want to give a, a big shout out and word of support to my fellow governors, all of whom is working hard, because you know, a lot of people who are going to come to Rhode Island's beaches are from Connecticut or New York and vice versa. Lots of people are going to want to go from Rhode Island to, to New York. So we have to collaborate and we are doing that. 
I would say the federal administration has been behind from the start. You know, they, from the very beginning of this, they were slow to react, slow to reach out to states. The, in the beginning, they were, it was so, so dysfunctional. We couldn't really access the PPE in our stockpile, um, et cetera. Over the past 10 weeks, the federal government, like all of us, has gotten better at dealing with it, has, has been better able to help st states fulfill our needs and, and fight the crisis. So now I think, obviously, we're in a much, much better shape, getting much better support from the federal government. But they played catch up for a long time, and that really set us back. Well, it's not all rosy, even in a small state like yours. I think you have a population of about a million. 24% are Black and Latino, and 57% of the cases are in those populations. What are you doing to address areas like Central Falls, which is a hotspot in your own state, but the more general problem of minorities being disproportionately affected, not only by the virus, but also in access to technologies that they need in order to um, be schooled from home and uh, know what's going on. Yeah. So look, you're asking all the right questions. These are quite literally the things that keep me awake at night. Uh, and you just put your finger on a big one, which is places like Central Falls. It's a very small community. Um, disproportionately poor, disproportionately uh, Latino, and disproportionately affected. And that isn't okay, right? It's not okay. I am committed to equity in our response, and we're not going to rest until every single Rhode Islander, and I mean every one, has access to the testing and support and health care that they need to get through this crisis. And we've done a lot, but there's a lot more to do. One thing that we're working on, leaning into with some success, are um, walk-through clinics, excuse me, walk-through testing sites in the community. So, so let me take you to, the, to one of your major technological innovations. Um, you've talked about a one-stop app. What are its functions and how will it help these minority communities, among others? So, uh, okay, so perfect example. When I was saying like in Central Falls, poor community, lots of people don't have cars, they need to get tested. So we've set up shop in Central Falls and Pawtucket in the parking lot of a school. The community can walk there and they can get tested. Now, the app that we're hoping to roll out soon would allow them to go on their phone or on their computer, order that test, walk over to the testing center, go ahead and get their test, be notified on their app if it was positive or negative. If it's positive, immediately be notified on the app, um, different options for them to isolate. Let's say they live in a crowded house. Let's say they live in a house, 10 people, two bedrooms, one bathroom. Well, then, maybe, then we need to help them get to a place where they can isolate safely. Um, symptom monitoring will also be on the app. Tell us how you're feeling. So this, we are hoping that this app will um, make it easier for us to meet the needs of Rhode Islanders and meet them where they are. Let me ask you a question from the, an audience member. This is Anne Rort from Rhode Island who asks, I'm going to read her, her message. If I did sign up for a contact tracing app, could you guarantee that my information would be deleted after the crisis is over? What guarantees would I have that the state would not sell my information or use it for other purposes? Such a good question. Thank you for asking it. Um, the answer is yes. So let me, if you wouldn't mind, give me a second here. Right. Privacy 
and data protection are paramount. First of all, I believe in them as values. And second of all, everything is about giving people confidence. We, again, we want voluntary compliance. No one's going to be forced to do this. This is opt-in only. I hope everybody chooses to, but I'm never going to force you to, which means I need to give you confidence if you opt-in, your data is safe. So let me tell you how we think about it and to answer Ann's questions. Your data, um, not even the company providing the app to us will have access to your data. The only two people that have access to your data are you, you know, Ann, and the Rhode Island Department of Health. Rhode Island Department of Health um, only gets the data if Ann says they can have it. She has to give permission. And then they only keep it for as long as is necessary to complete the case investigation. So that is weeks, not months. It's then automatically destroyed. And uh, we will not sell it, absolutely, 100%. It will never get into the hands of a for-profit company. Um, and it's protected by HIPAA. Thank you, Governor Raimondo. That was fascinating. Thank you for sharing your efforts for how to control the virus without exerting excessive control over the citizens of Rhode Island. We're going to take a short break now for a video, and then I'll be back with Mozilla CEO Mitchell Baker. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.